This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. All right, beauties, it's just you and me today. I am so excited for a solo episode. It's been a few weeks since we've had one of these, and I was missing the opportunity to just sit and chat with you. I've got my Bloom Matcha Oat Milk Latte here with me. I just took a few deep breaths of some peppermint oil to help me settle into recording this because, to be honest, it's a bit of an S-H-I-T show over here. This week, I'm getting ready to go off on a retreat, and I don't know if anybody else feels this, but sometimes before you go away, it's like you have to do double the work leading up to it, and it is a miracle that (laughs) I feel like I am still sane and still all together. So it'll be amazing once I get there. I'm heading to the BVIs, the British Virgin Islands, to go on a retreat myself, a wellness retreat, and to try out a retreat because, to be honest, I've never been on one, and yet I'm leading one in September. If you haven't heard, we're going to Crete, Greece for the first Raw Beauty Reset self-care retreat. And so, you know, I wanted to do a little exploring and see what's going on out there and what I love and what I, you know, would lead so that I can ensure that you get the best experience when we go. So I'm really pumped. This retreat is going to be amazing. I'm going to a place called The Ariel. It's all health and wellness and self-care and all the good stuff. But oh man, after this week, I feel like I need it. Anywho, okay, so what are we going to talk about today? Well, I was editing the podcast from last week and realize we were at episode 197. Like we are rounding up on 200 episodes of this show. That's like 200 hours worth of therapy sessions that I have been lucky enough to participate in with some of the leading experts, influencers, and women at the forefront, and men as well, at the forefront of this conversation around health and wellness and really what it looks like in today's day and age. I feel when I think about that, I mean, so overwhelmed by the fact that it's been 200 episodes because to be honest, I struggle with consistency in a lot of areas of my life, like in the day-to-day. My brain just doesn't work that way. I don't do well with strict guidelines or restriction in place, hence working for myself. And so the fact that I have consistently showed up, I guess, to do almost 200 episodes of this show, you know, we've absolutely missed weeks along the way, but for the most part, it has been released every Thursday. It feels kind of incredible. And I think what feels even better is just knowing the wisdom that I have absorbed and soaked up over the last four years. 
I mean, I like hundreds of hours <laughs> of conversation and connection hearing people speaking from their place of power, from their uh, genius zone. I feel so, so grateful. And I hope for all of you that have been listening along that you're learning right alongside me and that you are noticing little shifts and little changes that you're finding a little more self-love and perhaps redefining what wellness looks like for you. Now, of course, there are many individuals who are listening to the show now, you know who you are, who haven't been here since the very beginning, who haven't been listening for four years when it was mostly my mom and my dad and my best friends and my sisters and Scott who are listening. So I thought that today it might be nice to just talk about why I started Raw Beauty Co. and what it looked like at the beginning and how it's shifted and changed over the last few years. And then I would love to share with you where we're going because we have some exciting things coming down the pipeline, especially for the younger generation. And I know many of you who are tuned in and listening are already thinking about your own kids or kids-to-be and if you're not, at some point you will as an auntie or, you know, a mom or a friend of little ones. So hang tight to the end and I'm going to tell you what is coming down the pipeline with our nonprofit organization, Free to Be. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Robbie Detox. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. 
Okay. Where do we start? Where do we even begin? I mean, I think most of you know at this point that when I was in high school, I struggled with a really severe eating disorder. And, you know, of course, whenever you go through something like this, you try and pinpoint what was it? What was it that caused that? And at the end of the day, it's always a variety of things that come into play. But there are two key things that really stand out to me. The first one is that I was highly influenced by images in media. These glossy magazine pages would arrive at my door once a month, much to the despise of my mom. She she did not love the magazines, but I loved them so much. And she, you know, let me subscribe to one or two. And so 17 or YM, they would arrive at my door. And I just loved looking at the clothes and the girls and dreaming about this lifestyle that they were living. And I knew immediately I wanted that. If you ask any of my friends, they will tell you that I mean, as long as they've known me, I have been in love with celebrity culture. Now, you might shake your head and think, what the hell? But I'm kind of over-apologizing for it at this point. Like, I was into it. For whatever reason, I loved knowing who the stars were and what they were wearing, and I loved those magazines. I was definitely, however, influenced by the pictures that I was seeing. Back in the 90s and early 2000s, there was one type of girl, and she was thin. She had defined abs. She was the Victoria's Secret girl, essentially. Early 90s, it was more like Kate Moss and Nicole Richie, and none of them were eating. And then we moved into this Victoria's Secret, glossy hair, perfect body kind of vibe. Well, perfect body according to media. So these images did influence me. And in those same magazines, there was almost always advice about how to mold your body to look like theirs. So it would be like three days to a flatter stomach or do this to tighten up your bum. Don't eat these foods. Do eat these foods. These foods are good. These foods are bad. Here's the latest diet. It was all over the place. So the very first thing was just getting sucked in by these beauty ideals, believing at some level, even if I wasn't conscious of this, that if I had that body, then I would be able to make money, that I would have cool clothes, that I would be popular. And when you're in high school, these are all things that we're just hardwired to want, to want connection, to want to be seen, to want to be valued. On the other side of things, this is the second thing that I think really played into the eating disorder, was that I always have had a pretty anxious mind-body system. Now, when I was in high school, nobody was talking about anxiety or depression, and so I had no idea that I was anxious. In fact, the anxiety presented more as perfectionism, really driven, needing to get straight A's, very afraid of failure, and just wanting to be and do things perfectly. That's how I channeled these feelings that I was having. And the interesting thing is, of course, when you do that, you get a lot of praise from everyone around you because you're an easy kid. You're doing well. You're performing well according to the system that we've been put in. And so for a long time, in many ways, this was really working for me. I was doing well and I had friends and I enjoyed my activities. But over time, I think that 
the pressure of performing in all of these areas started to take a toll. And most likely my anxiety was increasing, increasing, increasing. I had no vocabulary to describe what was happening to me at the time. And my coping mechanism became restricting food. My mind became obsessed with counting calories. I had a number in my mind of the a number of calories I was allowed to eat each day, and it was specifically based on what magazines told me was what I should be eating. I would also research what are the models eating, what are their measurements. I was 5'11 by the time I was in grade 10, so I was around that model height, and it was easy in those days to Google the sizes of these different girls. And so in my mind, I just had to hit that size, and I had to shrink my hips down a little bit in order to fit those measurements. What started off probably just looking like a girl who was trying to be a bit healthier, very quickly spiraled into a full-blown eating disorder. And you know, I think sometimes there's a bit of a misconception about eating disorders that they are a choice. And I can say loud and clear, it was absolutely not a choice. It was like this other voice started speaking in my mind, telling me what I could and could not eat, counting the calories constantly, obsessing over what my little sister was eating and her body, obsessing over other people and what they were eating. And I couldn't turn it off. And the thought of eating food gave me so much anxiety, constantly feeling anxious 24-7, that it felt like oh, I'd almost rather die than have to eat what I wasn't comfortable eating. I started off by cutting out all fats because at the time, those that was the food group that was being demonized. And slowly over time, continued cutting things out and out until I was doing all sorts of weird food behaviors. Within six to eight months, I had lost a significant amount of weight on a frame that was already long and lean. And I lost my period. I started to have difficulty focusing in school. My dance teachers called my mom in and had to have a conversation saying, we don't think she's able to do this right now. Like you've got, we've got to figure out what's going on with her because she's not strong enough to dance. So I stopped dance classes. The school and my parents had conversations and I cut out of a number of classes just to try and give myself some time to recalibrate. I mean, my poor mom was just really, really hard time on the whole family as well. And now as a mom, I can't imagine my kids going through something like this and how difficult that would have been for her. My dad also, poor dad, but he was definitely like, this is not a thing. You know, this more masculine mindset around it. She just needs to go for a run and that will pick up her appetite. And then she, you know, just have a chocolate bar and like, you can, it's not a big deal. Come on. It's like being a bit tricky on the family. And if you could just eat, that would be great. Getting too skinny. He didn't understand. He didn't understand that this had taken over my mind and that it really is a mental illness and a mental disease. It wasn't until months later My dad and I sat down and he said, I need you to do something for me. There's a hospital program and I need you to go into it. I need you to go into it because we can't get you better on our own. And his voice cracked when he said it and it broke my heart. 
like my dad, who is so strong, and I'm definitely a daddy's girl, in this position where he's essentially begging me to go in to get help after a long time of almost denying that it was even happening. And so I agreed to go into this inpatient hospital program for six days. That was it. I was coming home after the six days. I was ticked about having to go, but also a small part inside of me knew that I needed help. I really did. And so I arrived at BC Women and Children's Hospital to their inpatient program. I believe there were about six other girls who were there. When I got there within 48 hours, three of the girls shaved their heads completely. And I believe the story, as I've heard it now, many years later from talking to them, is that they did it as a kind of an FU to beauty standards that had us all in this place. But I took it as them ganging up together and kind of an FU to me. And so it was uncomfortable being in there. Who wants to be the summer of grade 11 and 12 in a hospital with neon lights being force-fed food that you are absolutely terrified of? We would do group therapy, individual therapy, weigh-ins, your menu was picked for you, your food was picked for you. And I know that there are some people listening here who have gone to treatment programs and spent a week there or nine months there. I mean, we're so lucky to have these programs available. But for anybody who's gone, you know that it is one of the most difficult things to get started in these programs. But at some point within that first six days, something changed in my brain. And it was like for the first time in months and months and months, that little voice in my head finally shut up. And I felt so much relief. It was like having someone else who was really taking the reins and there was no other choice. It put this little voice in the back seat of the bus and it would show up every once in a while, but it just wasn't there. My will to do well still was though. And so there's levels to this program and I flew through those levels and enjoyed kind of checking off the boxes of what I needed to do to be a good anorexia recovery girl. (laughs) And so within a few months, I was out of the hospital at a healthier weight and in many ways feeling much better in my body. That voice never has never become as loud again and has never fully taken control of the bus. When I left the hospital, though, I went back to the pressures of grade 12, trying to figure out what you're doing for university, and then still all the other things that kids deal with, like relationships and friendships and home life and all of these other things. And I wasn't by any means completely cured from the eating disorder at all. What I would find during stressful periods of time And I can see this now reading back on journals that I had. I would always say, I'm feeling really stressed about this, that, or the other thing. And so now looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, she was anxious. But during periods of stressful times, there's a direct correlation between me starting to count calories again and just starting to be much more mindful about what I was eating. 
Now, the interesting thing is, is that before pre-hospital days, when I was restricting, I would just keep restricting. Now what was happening is that whenever I would start counting again, I would find myself binge eating on the other side. It was like this force within me was like, hell no, we are not going back to that place. And so I would restrict what I was eating just a little bit, not in the same way, really focusing on more clean foods. And I would also go to the gym and do these intense workouts. Like I couldn't miss a day at the gym. And on the other side, I would find myself almost blacking out around food whenever I was alone with it. So when I was living with my parents, it was like if the whole family was out and I was left at home, this power took over me. I would almost black out and I would just eat and eat and eat. Not for enjoyment. I wasn't present. There was no mindfulness. It really was this really primitive reaction to the possibility of food being removed again. It was like my body was like, no, we are not going back to that place. Now, after a binge, if you've ever been there or even a period of overeating, there is a lot of shame. We can feel really bad about ourselves, really ugh, in our own skin. I mean, physically you feel gross, but it really impacts the way that you see yourself mentally and emotionally as well. I would be a wreck. I mean, I hated myself. And what I saw in the mirror was a manifestation of the way that I felt on the inside. That hate that I had for myself is what I saw in the mirror. All I could see was the cellulite on my legs, that my legs were getting bigger. I would feel my stomach rolling over my pants and it all was just so uncomfortable. And so naturally the next day I would say, okay, we're not doing that again. We're going to eat this, that, and the other thing within these guidelines. You're doing a two-hour workout at the gym, and the next night, the same thing would happen. Or two days later, when everyone was gone, the same thing would happen. This pattern played out for probably another six years. And the struggle with this form of an eating disorder is that for me, my body was never gaining a ton of weight. It was slowly gaining weight always, but I wasn't losing a lot of weight. And I looked really healthy on the outside. Like looking at me, you would never know something was going on. And so while the anorexia stage was probably only about a year, this form of disordered eating stretched out over a course of six years because it wasn't as visible From the conversations that I've had over the last several years of this podcast and when I started Raw Beauty Co., it is very clear that many, many people who are struggling with eating disorders or disordered eating do not look like the typical anorexic girl that we see. The way that someone looks really cannot give you any insight into how they are eating or how well they are. I'm going to repeat that again. The way that somebody looks cannot accurately depict to you how healthy they truly are or what is going on in their life or how happy they are. I didn't understand that at the time. You know, I looked at these models and actresses and I thought they literally have it all. They have no issues, no worries in their life. So if I can just get to that point, 
then I will feel better. I will feel good. I will be happy, connected, safe, all of these things that I was at a subconscious level craving. So I'm stuck in this pattern of binge eating. At the time, I went to a few therapists. I was having a hard time connecting with anyone, to be honest. And I'd definitely spoken with a few dietitians and thought that having a menu plan or a meal plan would be really good for me. But it actually, most of the time, would just result in more binge eating. There's something about having the menu plan, having the restriction in place that for me really can trigger that primal urge to get food back in the system. Even more recently, I had a meal plan written out because we were looking at reducing dairy in our house because Brookie's having tummy aches. And my first visceral reaction when I got this menu plan was absolutely not. Nope, not happening. Just can't do it. We will continue to eat dairy. And I have had to make super small changes. I mean, I got this plan two weeks ago and we still have dairy every day, (laughs) but I'm just slowly reducing it because my body and my system still has a reaction to that type of control that I had back in the day. So how did I get through it? How did I move through this version of disordered eating where I was very conscious of what I was eating, thinking about food and my body constantly, didn't feel fully like I could trust myself when I was alone with food, would find myself blacking out a bit or in an emotional dead zone, we'll call it, or brain fog when I was eating, just feeling like there was no ease or flow around food. Well, let's talk about it. As I started this conversation, I realized that since we're talking about the last 20 years, this episode could end up being really long and drawn out. So what feels right for me is I'm going to break it into three parts. We're going to talk about pre-Raw Beauty Co., then I'm going to talk about starting Raw Beauty Co. and what the last 10 years has looked like, and then we'll talk about where we are now, what is inspiring me, and where the heck we are all going together. So for now, you can keep your eyes peeled for the second episode. I'm going to drop it in the next couple of days. But for now, if you'd like to get my free handout, 55 Ways to Feel Better in Your Body Without the Diet, it is available for you. You can click the link down below in order to get it. I'm going to try and get an easier URL for for you so that you can access it without having to click around, but it will be very easy for you to spot. I want you to grab your copy of this download because it really is the essence of many, many, many things that I have learned over the last 20 years when it comes to creating a good, solid relationship with food and your body. I've put it all into a handout. I also link to three podcast episodes on this show that are a little bit further back, but that are just juicy and filled with so much goodness. So, you know, whether you have an eating disorder or disordered eating, or you just want to continue to improve your overall well-being, that internal dialogue in your mind and how you feel in your body, this free handout is for you. Click the link down below, grab that while you can, and I will see you 
in the next episode. And I'll be back for part two of the Raw Beauty Co. journey. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.